The reading is taken from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through to 13, not 14. And it's, you can find it on page 1203 in the Church Bibles, or 1824 in the large print. A Sabbath rest for the people of God. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Thanks very much, Steve. Do keep that open, and let's pray once more for God's help to understand it. Father in heaven, as we come to your word now, help us not just to learn things about you, but help us to learn to love you. And as we think about this concept of rest, help us not just to understand what rest is but help us to enjoy that rest that you offer both now and in eternity we pray for jesus sake amen we may remember um, from last week one of the major themes that runs through the book of hebrews is the superiority of christ jesus is greater than all And that's why the book of Hebrews opens up in chapter 1 with those precious words. As the pastor sets before his people the person of Jesus Christ in all his glory and all his splendor. And it's those words in particular that we're called to pay attention to in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1. We must pay the most careful attention therefore to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. 
You see, the danger for these first century believers and the danger for us too is that we drift slowly away from Jesus, carried along in the current of this world. And the anchor, the anchor that prevents people from drifting too far from Jesus is a right view of him who is greater than all. Hence the three directives that we saw last week in chapter 3. Firstly, to fix your thoughts on Jesus. Secondly, to guard your hearts from unbelief. And thirdly, to encourage one another daily. As together we continue our journey towards the promised land of heaven and eternal rest. And that brings us then to chapter 4. And the subject of rest that is before us this morning. Eleven times in just 13 verses, the word rest appears. So you see, if we want to understand Hebrews chapter 4, we've got to get to grips with this concept of rest. And so I wonder, as you hear that word rest this morning, I wonder what immediately comes into your mind. Maybe for the Fathers here today, it's something like that on the screen. Watching the World Cup this afternoon, served by your children as all the activity happens around you, and you are relaxing in this wonderful little bubble. I wonder if that is rest for you. And of course there's a degree of truth in that. The concept of biblical rest includes an element of physical rest. But biblical rest, as we shall see this morning, is much more. It is much more than simply kicking back on the sofa. Rest is enjoying life as God intends it to be. It's about enjoying God as the giver of life. But before we come to Hebrews chapter 4 and think about all that the author says there concerning rest, let me give you a very quick overview of rest as we find it in the big sweep of the Bible. Three quick things first for you. We were made for rest. As we learn in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 in the account of creation, God made the world in six days and then he rested on the seventh day. And I don't know if you remember, but there was no end to the seventh day. There was no morning and evening the seventh day. Why? Because God made us to rest eternally in his presence, under his rule, and enjoying his blessing. Genesis chapter 1 and 2 is a world at rest. And that's how God designed the world to be. But sadly, as we read on in Genesis chapter 3, that rest was lost. Why? Because of mankind's rebellion against God. His perfect order was flipped upside down. Relationships were broken and God's people were cast out of Eden to be restless wanderers in this world, as we read in Genesis 4 verse 14. And that has been the sad picture of humanity ever since. A people without God, apart from God, and therefore a people without rest. And you could say that the whole of the Bible story, the whole of salvation history, is about God restoring his people to that place of rest. 
Which brings us to our third point in our quick summary. God redeems people for rest. And we see that initially when God redeems his people from slavery in Egypt. He rescues them from the harsh oppression, the restlessness of slavery in Egypt. And he takes them through the wilderness to the promised land of Canaan. But of course, Canaan was only a shadow. Just a faint outline of the fuller and final rest that God had in mind. A rest that, as we've heard already this morning, comes through the redeeming work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Look at those words again that Neil opened with this morning. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What a beautiful promise that is, isn't it? In a world full of empty strivings and stress and depression and anxiety, a world that is living under increasing pressure, frustration, overworked and overwhelmed. We no longer need to be restless wanderers in this world. We can come to Jesus now, today, and we can find rest for our souls. Which brings us to our first point of three this morning. The promise of entering God's rest still stands. Can you see that there in chapter 4 verse 1? Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. About ten years ago, I went to uh, Slovenia with a group of mates and we returned back to Ljubljana Airport, quite early flight out to get the plane back. And we got there, so we thought, in plenty of time. So we played a bit of footy with a Coke can in the car park, killing time, before we wandered through to check-in. But when we arrived at check-in, to our utter dismay, we saw on the screen that boarding had closed. We got our timings wrong, and we stood there pleading with the guy. We could see the plane on the runway, one of those small airports. You could see the plane, and we said, please let us through. The plane's still there, let us through. But the door was closed. And they wouldn't let us on the plane. And so we sat there and we watched our potentially fellow passengers file onto what should have been our plane, taxi into position and fly off without us, leaving us in Slovenia. You see, what a horrible feeling when the door is closed. And however much you plead, it's too late. The door is closed. But wonderfully, when it comes to rest, the rest that God offers, it isn't too late. The door is not closed. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands. And what a kind warning that is, isn't it? In the second half of verse 1. Because the sad reality is that many people here They hear about the promise of this rest, but few actually experience it. Just like the first generation of Israel whom God led out of Egypt. Have a look at verse 2. For we also have heard the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith 
of those who obeyed it. The message was of zero value to them because they did not combine it with faith and act upon it. Do you remember Joshua and Caleb last week coming back from scouting out the promised land and they came back with good news to the people? What a land! What a majestic land, a restful land, a beautiful land. And he preached the good news to the people. That's verse 2. The good news of the land of rest. And he proclaimed it to the people. And the people heard him proclaim the good news. But you know what? They did nothing with it. In one ear and out the next. They did not combine hearing with faith. And as a result... They ended up missing out on God's promised rest, which is why chapter 3 ended with those solemn words in verse 19. So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. So let's not make the same mistake as them. Hearing plus believing equals resting. Hearing, you see, is not enough. Hearing plus believing, trusting, having faith, collapsing your confidence into Christ equals resting. Maybe you're a young person here this morning. Maybe you've grown up in this church and you've heard the gospel, the good news preached. You talked about it around the dinner table. Could I say to you that hearing is not enough? Hearing plus believing equals resting and maybe for some of the older generation here maybe you've been come to this church for years and you love it you love being a part of this community and you feel so at home in this place but i've got to ask you have you trusted in christ because hearing plus believing equals resting And that's why in verse 7 we find exactly the same warning we saw twice last week in chapter 3. Today, if you hear his voice today, don't delay. If you're hearing God speak, do not harden your hearts. Guard your hearts from unbelief. Firstly and wonderfully, the promise of entering God's rest still stands. the question remains what does that rest look like when do we actually experience that rest is it something we experience now or is it something we have to wait until heaven to get our hands on and you see the answer to that question is both rest is both a present reality to be enjoyed now as well as a future hope That we look forward to. And I think most of us get the future hope aspect. I think a lot of us here will understand the concept of heaven and rest. To be free from the tribulations and trials and sufferings of this world. But I wonder how many of us have fully embraced the concept and the joy of rest today. And so in this next section I want to help us understand what rest in Christ looks like today. Because many I think fail. To enjoy rest as God intended. Have a look at verse 4 on the screen. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day God rested from all his works. 
As we've seen already, it's a reference to Genesis chapter 2 and the account of creation. God made the world in six days and then he rested on the seventh day. Let me ask you a question. Do you think God rested because he was tired? Do you think the eternal, majestic, omnipotent, all-powerful, all-present God rested because he was tired? Answer, no. Psalm 121, the Lord never sleeps nor slumbers. He does not need to rest like we do. So why did God rest on the seventh day? Why did he rest at all? And why did he rest on the seventh day? Answer, because he is setting up a pattern for us to follow. As we read in Exodus chapter 20, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. God made us to follow his pattern of rest. And now, of course, there's ongoing debate as to what that looks like today, to rest as Christians in Christ. But of this we can be sure, God has built into creation itself the very pattern of rest. To work six days and to rest one. God made us for rest. He made you to rest. So what does that look like? What does that day of rest actually look like? How should we organize our Sunday in order to rest as God has designed? You see, the Hebrew word sabbat or Sabbath literally means to cease from. And just as God ceased from his work in creating things, so too are we called to cease from the daily patterns of our working life. Which means children and young people... Don't be getting your homework books out on a Sunday. If that's what you've done throughout the week, take a break from it. Cease. Rest from it. Enjoy the rest for your body and your mind that God designed. And if you're working, if you're toiling away in the office from nine to whatever, Monday to Friday and a Saturday, could I say to you, don't open your emails on a Sunday. Don't try to get ahead of the game for a Monday. Enjoy the rest that God designed for your mind and your body. And if your work is to look after your home, could I say to you, don't be doing the housework on a Sunday. Enjoy the rest that God designed for your mind and your body. God in his goodness and his kindness has built into our our working, resting pattern of life an opportunity to step back from that. It is a gift from God to his people. Yet so many of us get caught up in the rampant quest for material prosperity that we fail to stop and open up the gift of rest that God designed for us. Firstly, rest involves ceasing from your normal nine-to-five working pattern. Secondly, though, it involves immersing ourselves in the things of God among the people of God. You see, it's not just our minds and our bodies that need rest. It is our souls as well. You remember the words of the Lord Jesus? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. We rest by coming to Christ. We rest by immersing ourselves in the things of God alongside the people of God. 
Or as the Puritans used to say, Sunday is a market day for the soul. What a lovely phrase that is, isn't it? Sunday is a market day for the soul, where we go from stall to stall to stall, not to fill our fridge, but to feed our hearts and to refresh our souls by singing truth together with God's people, by praying together, by being in the word, by stopping, reflecting, rejoicing over dinner together, by fixing our thoughts on Jesus in a way that you cannot do on any other day. Now, of course, there's a whole host of applications we could begin to think about in terms of what does our Sunday look like? And that's why next Saturday at our away day, we're thinking about rest in a world of stress. What a topic that is we need to think about. And as part of that day, we're going to be thinking, what does that look like for me as an individual, a family, as a church? What does it look like in terms of how we we operate on a Sunday in such a way that will recalibrate our hearts and refresh our souls for the service of Jesus in the week ahead? But by way of summary now, it means at the very least two things. It means ceasing from your normal working pattern, and it means immersing yourself in the things of God. So could I ask you, does that describe your normal Sunday? Ceasing and immersing. Because if it doesn't, I would suggest to you that we need to realign our priorities and open the gift that God intended for us. Firstly, the promise of entering God's rest still stands. What a wonderful thing that is. Secondly, that rest is a present reality to be enjoyed now. But thirdly, that rest is a eternal hope to look forward to. Have a look down at verse 8 and 9 or on the screen before you. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Can you see the point the author is making? After 40 years of restless wandering, Joshua finally leads his people across the Jordan into the promised land. But here's the thing. Entering Canaan did not exhaust God's promise of rest. There was more to God's rest than what was enjoyed in Canaan, which is why we read in verse 9, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. It's a different word in the Greek. It's a different concept of rest in view. You'll see it translated Sabbath rest instead of rest as it is in the rest of the chapter. Sabbath rest or eternal rest. There remains then an eternal rest, a consummated rest for the people of God. And you see, because Jesus is superior to Moses and Jesus is superior to Joshua, the rest that Jesus leads us into is superior to the rest that Joshua led Israel into. And as we'll see on the screen from the table in a moment, there's a number of similarities, but there are big differences as well. And the biggest one is this. The Joshua rest into Canaan, temporary and partial. The Jesus rest into heaven is eternal and full. You see, as Israel approached the promised land, they'd have been looking forward to resting, wouldn't they, from the hardships of the journey. Forty years wandering. Oh, I'd want to put my feet up after that, wouldn't you? 
They were looking forward to resting from the hardship of the journey and settling down to enjoy peace and prosperity in the land under God's loving rule. And for the Christian, our hope is similar yet wonderfully superior. You see, as we make our way through the wilderness of this life towards the promised land of heaven, the day will come when we rest forever from the trials of this life. Free from the battle against sin in our own hearts. Free from all the suffering in this world. Free from sickness. Free from hardship. Free from anything that will bring restlessness. Those things are gone. And God himself will settle us down into the new creation, his eternal home, where we will enjoy living in his immediate presence for all eternity. So, verse 11, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. And how do we together make every effort? By encouraging each other in our faith. That we would continue in the Lord because it is faith and faith alone that lays hold of the Saviour. And that loving warning in verse 11 comes in the context of these final words in verse 12 and 13. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Let me finish with an illustration. I don't know how many of you know the game Manhunt. It's basically hide and seek, but once you get discovered, you join the hunting party. And the idea is to be the last person discovered. And we were away in France a couple of weeks ago with the wider family. And we were in a a converted farmhouse, which had lots of outbuildings. And so we ended up playing with all the children this extended game of manhunt every evening, which for the first few days was brilliant because there's so many new places to find and hide in. But by day six, a bit tedious because you ran out of places to hide so everyone goes off to hide and you walk straight to there, 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 there and everyone's captured you see you can only hide for so long and so it is with God you can hide from God for a while you really can you can hide from the promises of God that we thought about this morning you can hide from the offer of rest and the gift that God lays out You can hide from the warnings of God that you see in Scripture, but one day you will run out of places to hide because nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. So friends, please don't put off until tomorrow what you should do today. The promise of entering God's rest still stands. And it is a present reality to enjoy now. And it is a future hope to look forward to. And it can come to each one of us through faith alone in Jesus Christ. So we finish with the words we began with. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
For I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Let me give you a moment in your own heart to ask yourself what you are going to do with the invite of the Lord Jesus, which he lays before you this morning. And then we'll sing as we close our time together.